Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff again. Welcome to our August 2018 edition of Group Talk. We have a great show lined up for you, but first, let me share some great events that we have coming up. October is going to be a huge month for the Small Group Network. We have two great Accelerate workshops making their way to Virginia and Tennessee. The first one will be October 22nd through the 24th at Park Valley Church in Haymarket, Virginia. The second one is October 29th and 30th in Lebanon, Tennessee. Bring yourself and your team out to one of these great events to start your 2019 strategic plan. Also. Who's ready for Lobby Gathering 2019? Enjoy sunny Southern California March 12th through the 14th. Get your early bird price today. To register for any of these events, visit smallgroupnetwork.com slash events for more information. We have an amazing guest lined up today. Carolyn Takeda has a great conversation with Laura Holland. She is a small groups pastor for National Community Church in Washington, D.C. She's a great friend of mine and of the Small Group Network. Take it away, Carolyn. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Small Groups Pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. And I have to share something that just happened this morning that I'm so encouraged by. I had a, a friend, uh, one of our staff members, come by and tell me she listens to Group Talk. Um, she's from Indiana, so shout out to Kathy for visiting. And it was so encouraging to hear how, how Group Talk and the Small Group Network has been a benefit to her. And it just encouraged me a ton since we're taping today. I just think God wanted this little extra bonus encouragement for me. So thank you guys for listening so much. That means the world to us and keeps us going. Um, and also she gave me great feedback on a couple things. I asked her what topics she might be interested in hearing about in the future in her church environment. Um, and she gave me some great ideas. And so if you have any great ideas, I'd love to hear them. You can always message me on the Facebook group. So on this month, though, I have the honor um, in this podcast of talking to experts in, in their fields, the authors, speakers, influencers, and we learn so much from their expertise and wisdom. But one of the cool things that I love to do on this podcast is to learn from small group pastors and point leaders that are in the trenches, you know, boots on the ground people. And some of them are doing the most innovative, creative things in their church. And what they have in common is that they adapt the ministry, the small group's ministry, to reach their unique population. And so today, we're going to do a deep dive, um, well, deep dive being 30 minutes, into one of the most innovative churches in America, National Community Church in Washington, D.C. This is a unique church. Um, Mark Batterson is the founding pastor of that church, and it's about um, 20 years old. It is an urban environment. They're a young population where two-thirds of them are under the age of 40. They are also a transition population. People move in and out of the area depending on the political climate. They actually have everyone from the political spectrum in the church, and they all coexist peacefully. We can ask our guest about that, which is a miracle in and of itself in this day and age. Um, and they just do things a little differently, and they're known for doing a um, a model of semesters, of free market groups, and of reaching millennials. And so um, on this program, it's a little different. We're going to talk to Laura Holland, who is the small groups pastor at National Community Church. And Laura, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. 
Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to chat through these things. Yeah, so Laura has been um, in her role as a small group pastor for three years, um, and she attended National Community Church for 12 years. And, you know, some of our best um, staff and volunteer leaders really come from <laughs> people in the trenches who've been in the groups. Um, and she, of course, has had great mentors there with Will Johnson and Heather Zempel, who um, has written a bit on small groups ministry. And so this, uh, she's been kind of lived out the model, and then now she's running the model along the way. And what's cool about Laura, too, is that she spent 10 years of her life, uh, working life, on Capitol Hill and working for the Department of Defense, um, where she realized, and I love this, She on her bio, she says she realized the need for a job that allowed her to talk to people became abundantly clear. So Department of Defense, not high, chatty group. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I just needed people. I just needed connection. Yes. And so God decided, oh, sense of humor here, forgot to go, okay, Laura, you need people. Let me give you a whole bunch of people to shepherd. A lot of them. Change of plans. Change, Change of plans. Jump into ministry. Yeah. And so Laura and I met several years ago when she had just started, and it's been a joy to to be friends and to see how God's been using her and growing her. And um, this is such a cool conversation for us to have because they do things a little differently. And if you're in an urban environment or you have a lot of um, young people in your congregation, even if your environment looks really different than D.C. Um, or than NCC, I think this will still stir your thoughts and give you some nuggets to take away for your own ministry. Um, Laura's so sharp and so gracious, so I think you'll enjoy this conversation. So let's dive in. So, Laura, I've heard... Um, you and others from NCC, and I think it's been published in Heather's book, um, this quote that we that at NCC, one of your theme quotes is that we come from a place of yes. Would you explain to us what that means in terms of group life? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we really, with few exceptions, when people come to us and say that they want to lead a group on a specific topic or cause or you know study, we say yes, because we believe that if leaders are passionate about something, that they're going to be able to build community around that shared interest and that that community will breed discipleship and um, service. So give us some examples of um, what are some more unusual uh, things, uh, free market groups, affinity groups that you guys have said yes to. So um, one of my favorite is, um, favorite says a running group, which isn't necessarily you know, an off-the-wall idea, but I love what they've done with it because I think it's truly an example of how you can make, um, make it something that becomes a really discipleship-centered group. So the running group, they meet up at a um, shared location, and then after the run, they meet for a meal, which that would be the part that I would decide to, you know, join them for the meal afterwards. <laughs> and at this meal, they, um, part of their conversation is going through a sermon discussion guide. Mm. And so they talk through scripture at that point. Um, but it's through the longevity. So they, um, the following week when they're running, they're catching back up with people in their mm. lives. They're touching back on points that they had discussed the week before during the dinner portion where they were discussing the sermon and their lives. And so there's really discipleship happening during that run. So that um, means they're really fit, that they can actually have a conversation and run at the right. same time? I actually asked that question. I was like, so these conversations happening during the run. <laughs> didn't know that was a thing. So, um, but what I also love is that they um, partner with short-term missions mm. that are going out. And so um, 
they will develop runs um, that coincide with mission teams and with the efforts that they have. So they'll stop the the running group will stop at different locations around the city that wow. are connected to the cause or the mission location, embassies or you know consulates or just different areas so that they can then can stop and pray over the team that is there and the efforts and the way that they're supporting. So it's just a really cool integration of a lot of different elements of um, discipleship and ministry happening at our church um, through a shared love of running. What are some other interests that are maybe a little more unusual? Um, well, <laughs> um, we have knitting groups. Which See, I you can know, talk and knit. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I was laughing because I was thinking, you know, the joke is like underwater basket weaving. We don't have that. You don't we have do that. We <laughs> do have above water knitting groups. Um, so we have that. We have a really cool group for um, families that um, is a, a STEM group. So they come hmm. together and they are doing a Lego competition. Oh, wow. And so they have and parents and youth from the church that are mentoring the students. Um, and so their weekly meetings are centered around preparing for a competition at the end of the mm-hmm. year. But um, they're really doing life together and uh, discipling through that. It's really cool. So is there a grid or some guideline that a filter that you, if someone comes to you and says, I have a passion for X, um, whatever, comic books, I don't know, something um, that you've put a filter through and say, okay, if it meets these, then it's a yes? We ask that all of our groups make friends, make disciples, and make a difference. Mm. And so if the leader is able to come up with creative ways that that can happen, then it's a yes. Um, I love that. So simple. Yeah. It's great. Thanks, thanks Will. <laughs> Uh, yes, Will is brilliant. Um, okay, but there is a criticism, and I have to ask this. There's this perception that with free market groups, that they end up just being social or devolve into just being social and don't really lead to life change um, or focus on scripture and prayer, that they just hang out and, you know, maybe it's a cooking group and they just cook or they make, you know, um, knit or they run or whatever. That So how much intentionality do you guys have to build in for that discipleship piece to happen? There is a fair amount of intentionality, um, and one is just letting people know that's an expectation. Mm. But I really think the most effective discipleship happens when we are doing life with other people. And so shared interest jumpstarts that. Um, you already are starting from a, a common point, even if you're you know, new friends through this mm. group. Um, but we've also found... People want to study the Bible. You know, doing um, in-depth scriptural studies are not uncommon. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, I I did a group once. I participated, and it was arguing our way through Romans. And so, <laughs> you know, definitely great for the DC scene where we all yes. have strong opinions. But we went verse by verse through through Romans, and so I mean. Groups like that are, are common, but even mm. those that are the cooking or the running or, or whatever, um, you know, it's those foundations of relationship and friendship that then allows you to have that connection to ask those hard questions yes. to deep dive into those elements where discipleship really does happen. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's so much more attractive, maybe in some ways, to our culture, especially if you have a, a population that is more um, urban and less church. It seems like NCC has a lot of unchurched people in there, and that's an easy way in for new believers or seekers. It, it absolutely is. And I think we have a lot of um, new believers. We also have a lot of de-churched people, mm-hmm. you know, people that have left Got the church. Out. Yeah. And I think that this is a way um, to just be authentic, to be real. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are able to come back and, um, you know, realize that people can be Christians. They can be involved in their right. church, you know, through small groups and and be normal. <laughs> I know. It's always the unicorn, a normal yeah. Christian. And they're like, wow. But that it does make it an easy entry point, which um, leads to a second area of what you guys do. You have semester groups. Um, so unlike a lot of small groups ministry, they're kind of group for life or group for years um, at a time. You have it by semester. So tell me, what are the big advantages for you uh, in having semester groups? Yeah. So First, the reason that we have semester groups is because we realized we needed to harness the natural rhythms of our mm. city. Um, so as you mentioned, transient population, um, we have tons of um, colleges and universities here. So we're still kind of on a school system. Mm-hmm. So we decided to, to take that and run with it with the semester groups. So with people coming um, in frequently, we wanted to make sure that there were places for them to land, that they were um, easy mm-hmm. on ramps to community. So three times a year we launch groups and, um, make sure that there are people or there are places where, you know, anyone coming in can, can jump in. Um, but it's also important to have easy exit points. You know, I've <laughs> probably all been in a group where, um, you know, you really tried to connect with everyone right. there, but just wasn't, just wasn't your jam and that's okay. Um, and so the semester system allows for that. It also keeps groups healthy with it being super transient here. Um, if it was groups for life, you know, give it a two to three year cycle and half the people, if not more, would right. be out of the group. So this keeps, you know, the life flowing in um, in the groups. Um, but we've also found that it allows people to really plug in and focus on those areas that mm. they need then. So, oh, Okay. So, for example, you know, if people want to really dive in and learn about financial, um, you know, stewardship, they can do a group on that for one semester Mm -hmm. and then move to, you know, another area that they want to focus in on, which can be a good way to... um, to serve people holistically. What about the, I guess, um, hmm, what about the... Criticism potentially that when you keep bouncing in and out of groups every three months, like a semester, then you actually don't build a deeper relationship. You basically just get to barely know people. And I don't know about um, your environment, Laura, but for us here, it just seems to take so long for people to um, take off the mask and to get real and to start talking about significant things. And so I feel like in a month or two, it takes them that long just to kind of get past the superficial. So do you, how do you deal with that or is that less of an issue for you? Oh, it's definitely an issue. I mean, and that's something that I think is our biggest thing that we're fighting against with mm-hmm. this um, with this system. Um, one is training leaders mm-hmm. that they're the ones that set the the stage for that. That they're the ones that model what it means to right. open up, be vulnerable, and you know, to create a space where that can maybe happen faster. Um, but also, even though we have a semester system where people can go from you know topic to topic. We've had groups that have been meeting for you know, 10 to 15 
years. And um, so they start and stop with the semester system, but it's the same leader. It's the same basic group of people. They just are taking advantage of points to advertise their group, to Mm. promote their group and to allow new people to come in. So fresh perspectives, fresh voices, um, and just fresh discipleship opportunities. Yeah. So it's really a both. And so when we hear semester, so people aren't forced to, to leave unless they want to. And then now, as you mentioned, the off-ramp makes it less awkward if it's not working out. And there's an expectation that people are going to shift around the sum. So um, let's talk statistics. Like, just in general, um, can you give us an idea of how many of the groups continue on past their semester? Or do they just move on um, in little, maybe twos and threes? Or does a leader shift? Or how does that work? We see we a see, uh a bit of all of those. I would say probably about a quarter of our groups continue on with the same topic, the same leader, the same basic, you know, core group of people. Um, and then you probably see another, you know, quarter, a little more than that, where the leader and the core group of people are staying together, but they're doing a different, um, topic. Um, then you have the thing where you have the core group of people and the topic, but the leader's changing, you know, because they've moved or, you know, whatever. And then, um, you know, you have the, the remaining where it's new leaders coming in and, you know, new topics being, being discovered. Um, that is one of the most exciting things about being in a transient mm-hmm. place, but it's also one of the hardest. I was going to say, okay, things. that's a lot of administration. <laughs> To mm-hmm. um, to go through for you and your team because you have so many versions of it, um, but obviously you're very committed to finding a place for community for everyone, and so this model works. But man, that's a lot of um, administering. There is <laughs> there's a lot of back end work, um, and we work to streamline it, but um, but it's worth it. It works. On well, part of the secret sauce, I think, um, to your to. NCC and really churches that do small groups really well. And there's this common thread where the churches that are really fruitful in their small groups ministry are ones that have uh, really studied the culture that their environment that God's plopped them into and their church into, and then they've adapted the model to fit that. Um, And you guys are such a great example of it. And I remember talking to Heather in years past and also to Will um, as they're running the NCC uh, small groups ministry too, and then also you, Laura, that part of why you do what you do is because of who God's bringing to your church. And because you have so many millennials, um, the 20s to the mid-30s population, that that kind of dictates some of what you do. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about singles and millennials, two population that is typically hard to reach, and you read so much about them, um, and you have a high percentage of both of these groups. So what's been effective for you in reaching them? Well, I think the first thing that's been effective when it comes to reaching singles um, is that when we are reaching people, when we're dividing groups, marital status doesn't come first. Hmm. You know, that's not the first way that we, um, that we divide people. And so with our free market system, we're able to grab people based on their interests and, you know, running is something that people across demographics, regardless of how you're looking at it, um, are interested in or not, in which case we have many groups, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but I think, um, I think regardless of what your your marital status is, you're craving genuine connection mm-hmm. and relationships. And um, and I've heard from uh, 
from some people, and I've experienced it myself in other churches, that um, sometimes groups that are specifically for singles feel more like a, a Christian dating service. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and there is some value to that, right? You know, like you want to find um, somebody sometimes. But um, I think that one of the um, hazards with that is mm. that it can be um, – one, it can shift the focus sure, away from sure. discipleship and development, um, but it also sometimes feels like being single is a, a waiting period mm. um, as opposed to just a, a fact of life. You know, not everyone right. is going get, to get married. Um, and so I think the fact that we don't focus on it um, is one of the things that is attractive to people who are single. It's it's interesting. You're right. The singles has that danger of a bit of a dating scene. But I I get people who want to be in a singles group or they want to be in a married couples group because they want to deepen those things. Or the singles feel like, and you know, because our churches typically have not done a great job of incorporating that or making um, making a place for that, that they feel like they want to be with other people like them. So, do you have then affinity groups kind of around? A married and single that's separate from the uh, free market affinity groups? We don't have any that are separate from the free market um, groups, but under that umbrella, we definitely do. I mean, and I met my husband in a small group. Well, so, there you I mean, are. Yeah, and now, so and now you, you're, you're trying to, you need to create <laughs> more outed. of these environments for this. <laughs> outed. Um, so I get that, that desire, but we did. We had, um, we have, uh, married couples groups, um, every semester. So those definitely exist. And we did have a group, um, just this last semester, um, that was primarily targeting, um, people who were single and they went through the book, the meaning of marriage. Mm -hmm. And I loved that idea that it was people that had decided that they were serious enough about making sure that when they did reach that point, it was people, all people that hoped that that was, um, you know, a step that they would be taking, that they were prepared. So we do have those groups, but that's not the primary um, divider. Right, because they can uh, rally around a different uh, shared interest, um, which is such a a good point that it doesn't have to be divided the typical way or even by age, right? Because it's another way we divide it by age or geography, and you guys just make the shared interest be the thing. Exactly. And I think that there's a lot of value in being able to learn from people that are a few Mm -hmm. steps ahead. And I think also being the one in the group that feels like you're a few steps behind. And then when you find that one topic that you're like, oh, actually, like, this is mine. You know, there can be a lot of um, confidence and Mm -hmm. um, encouragement that can come from um, just intergenerational uh, relationships, um, people that are in different seasons of life across the board. Um, so we find that some of our healthiest and most, um, most attractive groups are those that um, really are a, an example of the community around us, sure. which, yeah, is not homogenous. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, okay, so the second population you have a lot of and been so effective with are millennials. And we know that millennials crave authenticity and transparency and vulnerability. I'm just throwing out all the catchphrases, mm-hmm. right? And which, in community, that's our goal as well, um, and development and growth and all of those pieces. But they tend to be a tough population for most churches, um, or at least that's what we read and finding. So what has been helpful for NCC in reaching that population? I mean, I think part of what um, has been helpful is um, 
the free market system has definitely been helpful with that because um, millennials are able to come in and have ownership mm. of um, of you know of a group and find shared interests. Uh, but, but I think naming the fact that sometimes the church does not feel authentic, you know, mm -hmm. that's something that I think every church is striving for. Sure. Um, but acknowledging where we've missed the mark is, um, is attractive. I think something that, um, a lot of millennials, um, have said that they appreciate is, um, groups that allow them to express doubts or questions. Mm. Um, and I think that those of us that have been around for a while, um, you know, I think a mark of a mature believer is acknowledging those doubts, sure. right? Right. Um, and um, I think that it has been helpful um, to have groups where that is um, that's an open thing, right? right? And so that builds that vulnerability, that authenticity, and um, so. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think do you think the millennials prefer or uh, maybe it, it's not a preference, but they're more attracted to um, groups led by their peers, other millennials, or by older people? I think they prefer groups led by older people. Really? Because we always I, feel like we're so old. Like, do they really want to hear from us? No, they definitely do. Um, they definitely do, and um, I think millennials are craving people to pour into them. Mm. Um, you know, they want to, um, they want to be seen and affirmed, but they also, um, I think that that is that much more valuable when it's someone that you can look up to that, um, has already accomplished so much. Um, yeah, I think definitely millennials want to be led by people older than them. So Laura, I'm going to get you in trouble here, but what, uh, what about the, the, um, stereotypes of millennials that are not quite so positive and then you can like name them and then discount them <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect um i mean i think one is um a common one is that millennials feel entitled yes they're, um, they're the uh, special snowflake right yes exactly exactly you know participation trophies all those things um and something that comes along with that frequently is that they're not willing to work for things mm -hmm. you know that um it because they've gotten participation trophies, they're special just for being them, um, that anything that challenges that is um, of concern. And, you know, I, I think stereotypes exist for a reason, but I think when you push a little bit harder, millennials are super entrepreneurial, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yes. like that's something that we're seeing in this right. generation and um, giving them a space where they can take ownership and really run with things um, is something that we have found to be very helpful mm -hmm. in engaging millennials. Um, and engaging them and harnessing that entrepreneurial spirit is also um, something that I think is going to catapult us and help the church, um, Big C Church, right. be able to reach those that aren't here yet. Right. It's going to be those fresh ideas, that new way of um, engaging and seeing things um, that I think is going to take us to the next level. Yeah. I, another stereotype is um, that they actually have more of a sense and a concern for bigger issues, social justice issues, uh, for causes. They, they want a cause. On the flip side, the negative side is, you know, unless they're passionate about something, they're not going to engage in it. 
Um, so there's this kind of so you have to almost offer something for them to to get passionate about, and the kingdom of God offers a huge mission <laughs> that they can、oh, get、absolutely. behind. Absolutely, and if they're passionate about and rallying behind that, then watch out because good things are going to happen. Yeah.、Um, what are what are some other、um, ideas or some things that you guys have tried with either or both of those populations that、um, kind of has resonated in group life? So you've talked about making semester systems so it's easy in and on and off the transition piece,、um, and. And then about creating a comfortable space. Which, okay, side note, I have to ask because of the politics involved. Because、um, I had heard that you you have groups that have people that are working for, you know, on the hill on both sides that are passionate about their jobs and the politicians that they work with, and yet they coexist in a small group. Yes. Other than the Holy Spirit, like, how does this happen? <laughs> It is possible.、Um, I mean, one of the things is that we、um, really we train our leaders and encourage our leaders、um, to make sure that no one leaves their small group thinking that Jesus was a Republican or a Democrat. Because believe it or not, Jesus was not affiliated with either of those <laughs> or any other political party.、Right. Um, but we.、Um, I think being in the middle of things, you know, in the center of. These conversations、um, almost makes it easier sometimes to step back and realize that the labels that、um, that we have attached to us, you know, politically,、mm-hmm. um, that that doesn't actually define who we are. And there's a lot more common ground, and、um, so focusing on that common ground is helpful.、Um, also, just being wary of、um, any talk that、um, that does. It, Get into anyone who believes this is、yes. you know fill in the blank you right know, right that, that so do、lot. you do you instruct or train your leaders to avoid talking about politics or avoid talking about、um, incendiary issues that are going to motivate move people to squarely lock in positions you know. Yes and no. Like we discourage it, but then we also have you know a group called Hot Topics,、oh. and the entire point of it is you know to engage in a safe space.、Mm-hmm. Um, we have a group talking about racial reconciliation、mm-hmm. and you know different social causes that、um, on the surface seem like it could really be areas where there could be tension,、um, but again, when you are able to unite. People, millennials, behind causes and areas they're passionate about.、Um, it is not uncommon to、mm. look to your right and left and realize that the people there, you know, are on different sides of the aisle. But you know, this particular area is one that's shared. Oh, I love that! What a beautiful picture of community, and I mean, what a witness to, in particular, to people in DC, but really for all of us, that that model of unity that transcends any other allegiances or causes.、Um, uh, Laura, thank you so much for this conversation. I want to just give you a moment. If there's any final thoughts you want to share, I, the only final thing is that NCC, like we really we.、Um, Want to be a teaching church? We want to be a place that is generous with what we have. So,、um, if there is anything that、um, you've heard that you think would be helpful, let me know. You can have it. <laughs> we share. Yeah. And what is your website? It's theaterchurch.com. Because they started out in a theater and they've had this website forever. <laughs> so if you look up NCC, you'll end up with theaterchurch.com. Don't be alarmed. I remember the early logos with the popcorn and stuff. It was very cool. It was so creative, just out of the box, to reach people. 
so innovative at the time. Yes, so, and still yeah. continues to be and such a great model. So if you have any questions for Laura or for how NCC does things, um, semester, free market, millennials, um, she's a millennial, so she can speak to it personally as well as her population or singles, you can ask her questions on our Facebook small group network page. And Laura is part of the DC huddle. So if you are in that area, you can um, touch base with her there. And so Laura, God bless you and your ministry. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. Big thank you to Carolyn Takeda and Laura Holland for that great interview. One last thing before we go. Are you in a huddle yet? Our huddles are designed to be a small group for the small group point person. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com slash huddles to find one near you. Don't see one near you? Consider starting one and getting to know the small group point people around you. You won't regret it. See you next month. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.